This is the non-microwave truth, and I am C.L. Whiteside. Our first world problem today. At what age do you stop playing shotgun? And for those who aren't familiar with what I'm talking about, we have three people. One person driving, and then it's you and another person. One of you yells shotgun, that means you get to sit in the front seat. At what age does this stop? I have some hilarious stories of grown men arguing and fighting over the front seat. Not my nephews. I can understand that. They're 10 years old. Or not one of my players. Because the front seat is like a, a sign of a authority or a sign of respect. It's a, it's a status thing. Now, for me, I don't mind sitting in the back. I'm a little guy. So if you're bigger than me, or a lot of times, if it's just three of us, I have no problem getting in the back seat. In fact, usually I have more room. But I see this really tick certain people off when they don't get the front seat. And I have a vivid story in my mind of two friends. We're about to have a night out. We're walking to the car. One of them yells shotgun. The other one looks at him and says, hey, I'm too big to be sitting in the back seat. Don't even try to get in the front seat. He says, I call a shotgun. So he hops in the front. He's two grown men. And this is not like at the age of um, 15, 16 or you know, college even. This is like in the age range from like 25 to 30. So he hops in the front seat. Another grown man takes another grown man out of the car, pulls him out, and he's on the curb now. <laughs> this is crazy. We are adults literally arguing over the front seat like some 10 or 11-year-olds would. But hey, when it comes down to status or us wanting what we want and thinking that someone is mistreating us or should just have common sense that, hey, if I'm 6'4", 230 pounds and you're only 5'10", 190, get your little butt in the back seat. It ain't always common sense, though. Eh? But this made me think, what would Jesus do with his disciples? Like, would he let his disciples play shotgun? Because, you know, the disciples would definitely argue over something like this. Something as petty and childish as this, the disciples would argue. And why I think this is, if you remember the accounts of Matthew chapter 18 or Mark chapter 9 or Luke chapter 9, the disciples were arguing over who's the greatest, who is the greatest disciple. And that just made me think, would Jesus allow his disciples to call a shotgun? I can just picture it now. Some great, awesome parable where he ties it in and breaks it down and talks about pride and status and how the front seat isn't that big of a deal and how the last should be first and the first should be last. So this, I guess this is a two-part first world problem question. One, do you think Jesus would allow his disciples to call a shotgun for the front seat if he was in today's world? And two, at what age should you just stop playing shotgun? Or should it just be common knowledge that if you're the bigger person, literally, like size-wise, you should sit in the front? Or should it be based off of age? What do you think? And this is our first word problem. It's dinner time. Pride is the devil. I think it got a hold on me. Pride is the devil. It's left so many R.I.P. Pride is the devil. Name that song and that rapper.
Some of you are like, I have no clue who that is, and that's okay. And some of you are like, J. Cole said this on his song, Pride is a Devil. Now, this is not to discuss if he's a great rapper, or I hear some people say and talk like he's a, a goat or a god, and some people say, hey, his music makes me fall asleep. This is to look at the simple fact of that phrase, pride is the devil. And it really depends on what we have our pride in. And when you Google this, I think Google had one of the most intriguing definitions when you type in pride. The first part, it says a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements. But this is interesting. The second part that it has. The second part says this, the achievements of those whom one is closely associated. So it's not talking about yourself. It's actually talking about pride in someone else or in something else. Now, I do want to take a look at some of the lyrics in this song with the reason being you would be amazed at how many rappers or entertainers or, or people that you deem as wise say certain things and people are like flabbergasted, like, oh my gosh, that's so wise. And it's like, you know what they said is in the Bible. Like if you ever check out the book of Proverbs, you would be amazed at some of the things that people say that it's like, this is directly from the Bible. Like this is not some crazy epiphany they had. It might be the Holy Spirit talking through them, but this is in the good book. You would notice if you get in the good book. I just thought about that because my brother was talking about this the other day when somebody was talking about like Nipsey Hussle or Jay-Z, some interview. And he was just like, yeah, that was that was such a good interview. He was dropping so many gems and and, and, and wise words and teachings. And it's like that's in the good book called the Bible. But yeah. All right. The first lyric or lyric phrase that I want to look at that J. Cole says in this song is he says, I put you over everything to fill the void. And when he's talking about I put you over everything, he's talking about I put pride over everything to fill some void. And I just thought about this and I look at it and I'm thinking, taking what we have done and trying to find satisfaction in it. Like how many times do we do that? And that in and of itself is not bad. But when it becomes our God or our, our sole purpose and it starts to be um, something where we're using it to to fill a void that should be filled by God, that's where the problem comes in at. Because all of us have a void, and that's by design. And it's But it's not made to be filled with achievements and pleasures. That void is there to be like, dang, something is missing. Oh, I need a savior. I am so blessed and so grateful to have the grace and mercy of Christ who's made me a redeemed and loved child of God. That's what the void is there to to direct us to and to help us get our attention to to God and what he has done for us and how he has this this crazy love for us. Oh, yeah, I think I forgot to tell you the title of this episode. The title of this episode is Pride in What? So this first part, we're looking at what things that are negative that we put our pride into. And just thinking about we'll, we'll keep going along with the, the song lyrics he says something about this. He says, pride is the reason for the family dichotomy. It's got some uncles and some aunties that's too proud to give apologies. And right there, what's happening is, at times, all of us do this. We put our pride in ourselves and the fact that we don't want to be wrong. And at any cost, we will be right. And that's because our self-image is in ourself. 
And all of us have a, some type of desire for perfection and understanding that that void of perfection needs to be filled. But it can't be filled through ourselves. It can't be filled by the things that we, we do. Even the great things that we do, they're not perfect. And when you have that, that pride in yourself, you're going to always come up short in that regard. So why would you say sorry? Because sorry admits that you're wrong. Sorry admits that you did something that affected someone else in a negative way. And pride doesn't want you to do that. Another lyrical phrase that jumped out to me was this phrase or this line where he said, pride makes a man act way harder than he really be. Meaning we all want to be tough. We don't want to be ran over. We don't want to appear weak or be vulnerable or have people take advantage of us. Because if we are weak and we are vulnerable and people can take advantage of us or bring our weakness to the light, that's shameful. That can be depressing. That can be a feeling of hopelessness. And no one wants to feel like that. And again, when you see how pride is used in this way, this is when pride is an insecurity without a doubt. Like Proverbs 14 verse 17 talks about this type of pride making a quick tempered man act like foolishly. And a man of wicked intentions is hated. That's just a fact. And I just started thinking how many people are having arguments and like losing sleep on social media because they're trying to take a stand and they want to look tough. And they're looking tough for the wrong things. Like this stuff doesn't matter. Half this, this political stuff does not matter. And we're arguing about it and people are losing sleep or how many people are literally dying. And it could be something as petty as a parking spot or you looked at me wrong. Or I thought you were talking about me. So I have to handle this and make sure that you understand you can't talk about me. It's really just foolishness. And it's an insecurity. This is pride in what? Pride in the wrong thing. The last few lyrics that I wanted to look at, he said this. He said, pride hides the shame when the city cuts off all utilities. Meaning your electric, your water is cut off. Pride hides the pain of growing up in hell and poverty. Pride makes a person flash a thousand dollars like he hit the lottery. And with all of these, this is again talking about that attacking our, our self image. We feel like we aren't of worth because we don't have what everyone else has. Or we feel like we're on a higher status and we have to show people how much we really are worth. So we have to flash money. We have to flash the clothes that we're wearing. We have to flash something that shows the status and shows us that we are above or better than someone else. But then there's also this pride in when we have pain to hide that pain. I don't want to come off as weak or I don't want that that pain to be used against me. I don't want someone to know how they can hurt me and that I'm actually hurting. I have to be strong. I have to be tough, especially if that pain comes from a lack of resources, a lack of money, a lack of stuff. And this just made me think of two Proverbs, Proverbs 12, verse nine, being the first one saying, which says better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than pretend to be somebody and have no food. Like, especially social media, you will see so many people that feel like they have to pretend that they are someone, that they, they, they are somebody. But it clearly tells us that it's better to be a nobody and you really actually have people serving you than to act like you're something that you're not. And in Proverbs 13, verse seven is the second one. It says one person pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. 
A person riches may ransom their life, but the poor cannot respond to threatening rebukes. And that's just so deep because if you need help, it is okay to say that you need help. There's not a single person in this world that has gotten to any position that's worth something and hasn't gotten help. People can lie and they can think that they got there all by themselves or that they never had someone bail them out or lend a helping hand. But when you have that pain and that pain is is prideful and it's in, in the lack of resources that you have, you at times won't even seek the help that you really need because you're afraid to look weak. You're afraid to say, hey, I need help. When in reality, everyone in this world has needed help at some point in time. And the only thing worse than not having it is pretending like you have it. Because you make it even harder to get the help and the resources that you actually need because people think that you already have it. So why in the world would I help you or lend a helping hand? And man, pride is just one of those things where we constantly have to examine our heart and ask God to reveal to us, what am I having pride in that I should not be having pride in? Or when is my pride becoming of myself and it's not pride in God, which is the only place we really should be having our pride in. And you know you're getting too prideful. And I know I'm getting too prideful when I can't apologize, especially for stuff that really doesn't matter. Sometimes just apologizing and saying sorry. If I can't apologize and say sorry, I'm probably getting becoming too prideful and too much ego. If I find myself comparing to others, especially in a way where I can start to become envious or I want to boast on myself, that's too much pride. If you find yourself checking who has more likes and more followers, that can be a pride issue. If you can't genuinely be happy and thankful and point out or compliment someone else, that's a pride issue. If you never can admit you're wrong, that's definitely a pride issue. If you can only think of ways that people can serve you and reasons for why God should bless you, that's a pride issue. And our culture microwaves that that process of pride and says it's okay because we are big time in a world where people say you need to self-love. The first person you have to love is yourself. And very rarely is that really ever the problem. It's more so about how do you properly love others and how do you properly love yourself? We don't necessarily need any more self-love. In fact, we need to be more selfless. And a lot of self-love, properly self-loving yourself is just understanding our identity is in Christ. I am worth something. I am valuable because of Christ and what he has done for me. Like, I'm the man. You're the woman. But it's not because of anything that I've done. It's because of Christ and what he has done for us. It's because Christ understood the opposite of pride is humility and how much humility he showed to each and every one of us. Because even the gifts and the talents that you have, yes, those absolutely make you special. But those don't make you God. And I just think about the, the Tower of Babel or Babel, whatever you want to call it. And that's in Genesis, I believe it's Genesis 11, if you want to check that out. But their gifts and their talents, they wrap their identity in. And because they identify with their gifts and their talents so much more than they did of being a redeemed child of God, more than being an ambassador for Christ, 
they started to think that their gifts and talents made them special, especially to the point that they could be a God. So when you think that you can be a God, you, why would you need to listen to God? And this is why they were disobedient and said, you know, I'm going to build a tower to reach the heavens. Even though God clearly told them to spread the earth and to multiply. They said, nope, we're going to stay right here because their gifts and their talents is what they identified themselves by. And because of that, and because they had so much pride in their self, they started to feel like I am a God and I can be a God. And what we just see with pride is when you have too much pride, there's just a, it's a guarantee that you will fall. It's just a matter of time. I think about different ESPN 30s for 30s. I think Lance Armstrong's 30 for 30 is just just bizarre and just is breathtaking to be like. What happened? And it all came down to pride, pride in his identity, being wrapped up in the gifts and the talents that he had, that he was willing to do any and everything. Any and everything to win. And like we see with different entertainers, we see with different athletes at times, that pride in oneself causes them to hit rock bottom. Pride has made a hard head and a soft butt for me. I can tell you that. I could tell you that for sure, but we don't have enough time for that today. But with that falling, falling of being too prideful, you don't have to stay down. And two big examples that come to mind, one being Joseph, and this is like in Genesis 37. Joseph was arrogant. He was very prideful. He talked to his brothers about how one day y'all going to be worshiping me. You're going to bow down before me. And you can imagine the one of the younger brothers talking to their older siblings about this type of thing, especially boys, how much that angered them. And to the point where they actually hated him and sold him into slavery, all because he was arrogant and they didn't like him. Doesn't make it right, but it is true. And that was one of his consequences of being so prideful. And then the second example I was thinking of was was Peter and Peter was prideful in how tough he thought he could be. And this is mentioned in both Matthew 26 and Luke verse 22, when Jesus tells Peter that, hey, you're going to deny me. And Peter's like, no, I ain't going to deny you. I'm never going to deny you. I'm ride or die. Like you going to prison. I'm going to prison. You dying. I'm dying. I'm there every step of the way. Jesus like, huh. I'm the one like I got your back. The rest of the disciples, I don't know about them, but, you know, I got your back, Lord. I'm with you. I'm with you to the very end. And Jesus says, nah, Peter, you will deny me three times. Matter of fact, this very night before the rooster crows. But Peter said, no, I won't do that. In fact, the rest of the disciples said they wouldn't either. They would stay strong. They would stay tough. And here's the key. What we see with Joseph and his fall and Peter and his fall, both of them stem from pride. But each man learned something valuable. Their pride was in what? Their pride was in themselves. They learned to put their pride in the Heavenly Father's plan. They learned to put their pride in the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to fill them up instead of the stuff of this world, instead of that microwave garbage. How else would you expect a man to be falsely accused of rape, falsely imprisoned and forgotten about to still use his gifts and talents to interpret dreams, to bless others, to bless an entire country or nation? Pride in the wrong thing won't allow you to do that. Like if you have pride in yourself, 
and you had these gifts and talents, you would be so bitter. Like, nah, I'm done helping people. I'm done. Like nobody else has helped me. I'm not interpreting this dream. I'm not being an ambassador for Christ. The only fraternity that has been good to me is going to be me five me. I'm done helping people. God hasn't helped me. No one else has helped me. That's what pride would do. It will make you bitter when you have it in the wrong things. But when you have it in Jesus Christ, you see that you have the victory. You understand that you've already won. So you have hope. You have hope despite seeing nothing but misery in front of you that is going to get better. It's just a fact. It's just a matter of time. And when Peter put his pride in God, he became the man that he claimed to be before. And he no longer feared anything of this world and could say, what I'm doing is right because I know I have hope in Jesus Christ. That, that was something special. That was pride in the right thing. And this allowed Peter to be such a bold disciple that he wanted to be because he didn't place his trust in himself. He placed it in Christ and in the fact that the Holy Spirit was going to fill him up and in the fact that this was the father's plan. That was understanding and using the triune God. And just so you remember, the wrong type of pride was the type of stuff that had Peter pulling people out the front seat of the car with their seatbelt on because they didn't yell shotgun or he just wanted to sit in the front seat. Or this is the type of pride that I have Peter chopping out people's ears because he wanted to look tough, tough. But changing his pride and where he placed his pride, which is in Jesus's death on the cross and resurrection, allowed him to understand what tough really looked like. It allowed him to, to see what bold really meant to be. When you have it in the wrong things, you don't know how to, to act. You don't know what type of fruit that will bear. But when you have it in Christ, it's going to bear the fruit that it should bear. So that question, that phrase that Jacob came up with, that pride is the devil. Is it? I mean, yes, especially if you have it in the wrong things. But if you have your pride in Christ and his death and resurrection, and his absolutely crazy love that he has for each and every one of us, then no, pride is not the devil. And what makes this even more beautiful or glorious is the fact, and I got to read that second part of the definition of pride. It says the achievements of those with whom one is closely associated. Some people don't even know that they're closely associated with Christ, but you are. He lived a perfect life for you. He came down from heaven and lived in poverty for you. He died for you. He suffered hell for you. And he rose from the dead for you. And because of that, you're more than closely associated. You're one of his children. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So forget about putting pride in yourself. Put pride in God. Put pride in what he has done for you. Put pride in the relationship that he wants with you. Because that's something to widely admire. And this is the non-microwave truth. This concludes our episode of Pride in What? If you enjoyed this or you've enjoyed any of the episodes, please go ahead and write a review and leave the five star. That's greatly appreciated. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. And put your pride in God. Shotgun. I'm out. <laughs>